The Signal is a podcast by the Bucks County Beacon. I'm your host and the Beacon's editor-in-chief, Cyril Michalego. Twice a month, we'll use this space to shine a light on the right-wing extremist currents streaming through Bucks County and beyond. We'll talk to guests who will help listeners navigate these perilous political waters by providing insight, analysis, and organizing solutions so that we can steer the community toward calmer, saner, progressive routes. On this episode, I welcome Morris Cunningham to the show. Morris is the author of the book, Dark Money and the Politics of School Privatization. He retired in 2021 as Associate Professor of Political Science at the University of Massachusetts at Boston. His work has been distributed through the Independent Media Institute and has appeared in publications that include the Boston Globe, Alternate, Tampa Bay Times, the Detroit Free Press, the Portland Press Herald, as well as the Bucks County Beacon. Morris, welcome to The Signal. Thanks, you know, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. To start us off, can you explain to listeners how you first became interested in Dark Money's role in this decades-long campaign to dismantle public education, commodify and privatize it, and disparage and destroy teachers' unions in the process? Sure. Uh, about 2013, I, I, I noticed some dark money in a Boston mayor's race uh, at the time. I wasn't paying that much attention. I didn't even realize or think my way through it that the dark money in that race was, was tied to, to school privatization. But in 2016, I really took note because um, I, I read a, an article in the Boston Globe in uh, January 2016 about a group called Families for Excellent Schools that was going to spend, um, I think it was uh, uh, $15 million in a school privatization campaign for charter schools. And I thought, wow, $15 million. Nobody's ever spent that much money in Massachusetts before. And I began to say, well, who's got that kind of money? The answer was, we're not telling you where that money's coming from. We don't have to tell you. We don't have to tell the voters. And that really, I thought that was just a, a complete affront to democracy. And I began trying to find out where the money was coming from. They didn't wind up spending $15 million. They wound up spending $25 million. It came, you know, that $25 million, $20 million of it was in dark money. And, you know, you could fit the donors in my kitchen. That's how many people it was. And, you, and even though I figured out who most of them were, um, by inference at least, um, you couldn't get publicity for it. The Boston Globe, which was pro-charters, by the way, didn't want to write about it. They're the biggest media. But I was writing on, on, the, on the Mass Politics Profs blog, and what I didn't realize was that the uh, activists opposing privatization, being teachers' unions, uh, community groups, parent groups, and so forth, were using what I was writing to sort of fuel themselves up and explain what was at stake and uh, eventually they beat the privatizers and beat them badly, 62 to 38% in that race. Uh, but I began then to notice that this was going on elsewhere too. And so I wrote the book about it, Dark Money and the Politics of School Privatization. And um, I've just continued my research uh, since that time because to me, this is, this is we, of all the threats, we have many threats to democracy uh, in this country right now. They're all coming from the same source, from the same money source. And so I'm doing my best to help try and expose what that is. You authored a report this month for the Network for Public Education entitled Merchants of Deception, Parent Props and Their Funders, in part to pull back the veil on these right-wing figures, their tactics, um, and the funding behind today's attack on public education. Why this report and why now? 
Well, I think it's an important report because so many folks in local communities, Bucks County and elsewhere throughout the country, are all of a sudden confronting uh, groups that uh, who haven't been seen at school board meetings before, some of whom don't live in the school district, some of whom don't have children. And these new folks are rising up and causing an enormous commotion and yelling about things they know nothing about, like like uh, critical race theory and running candidates against school boards and getting a lot of money to run candidates against school boards. And I thought it was timely to try and explain to people where this is all coming from really. You know, um, who's really behind this? Because this is a centralized, highly centralized effort that is coming from the highest reaches of right-wing extremist politics, from Charles Koch, from the Council for National Policy, which represents, you know, billionaires, uh, uh, right-wing activists like the NRA and uh, evangelical uh, networks, uh, and, and the Leadership Institute, which has been a training institute for, in right-wing politics for over 40 years, very much connected to the, to the Moms for Liberty group. So it's coming. This is a top-down effort. As much as folks might look and see, oh, there's a folks in the community here, and yeah, that's... That is the case, but they're being activated um, and even manipulated from above by the Kochs, by, by Council for National Policy, by Leadership Institute. And I wanted to write this report to show how you can begin to expose who those folks really are, because people on the local level can do this. You know, I've been at it for a while, um, and I hope to be able to explain what I've learned, but there's no magic to it. People at home in their living rooms with the same kind of computer screen I have in front of me can do the same kind of research and expose them. And I think if we expose who these people really are, you know, if you see a nice suburban, nice suburban mob espousing some position, uh, that's one thing. But if you realize it's really Charles Koch who's at the center of it, or Morton Blackwell, who's the like the 82-year-old head of the Leadership Institute, who was Barry Goldwater's youngest <laughs> delegate in 1964 is how long he's been at it. You know, it takes on a different picture because then you can tell that the manipulation is coming from above, and we need to resist that on the local level. You introduced the report by stating that the political actors exploited the crisis of the COVID pandemic um, as a kind of public education shock doctrine to attack this institution. Can you talk us through this and how the you know, right-wing political operatives and their funders were able to seize on this proliferation of anti-mask, anti-vax, COVID conspiracy parent groups, and then later corral them into their you know, anti-public education uh, culture war proxy groups that we're seeing now, like Moms for Liberty, Parents yeah. Defending Education, um, who are attacking history, LGBTQ acceptance and representation, um, championing book banning um, that we're seeing play out in school boards across the country. Sure. You know, the, the effort here is, it's true, political actors try and exploit a crisis, and the right wing has exploited the crisis of COVID, but they were preparing for this beforehand. Uh, one of the signal moments in this, I think, was a 2018 Coke seminar. Charles Koch has a seminar. He invites politicians and wealthy donors in the network um, out to California in February. And, and in 2018, there was a notable uh, uh, bit of information that came out of that, which was that Koch would now get involved in K-12 through politics. He hadn't really much before, and the network hadn't. But one of the billionaires that was there with him said, listen, this is the low-hanging fruit. 
we could take this over. And they've been trying to and plotting to do that since. At the same time, the Council for National Policy, which is a sort of powerful clearinghouse for right-wing interests, wonderful book uh, called Shadow Network about them by Ann Nelson, um, has had its sights uh, set on K-12 through for a while. So these groups were gearing up anyway, and when the COVID crisis came along, uh, uh, they really hit on it. You know, uh, a, a lot of, of course, a lot of disruption occurred in that time. Kids had to stay home from school um, because of the danger of COVID, which killed over a million Americans. Um, parents had to stay home. Uh, kids had to learn on Zoom, and, and we found out how bad virtual learning really is. Um, and it was very, very, very difficult time for young parents uh, who have children. And so it became ripe for some disruption. Uh, you know, at the same time, I think, you know, uh, people like Chris Rufo, who's the propagandist from uh, Manhattan Institute, had, had clearly already been working on critical race theory uh, and so forth. And, you know, to, you know, you don't have to I mean, Rufo is pretty transparent. You know, he says, oh, let's, we're going to turn this phrase critical race theory into, uh, into whatever people dislike about, about uh, teaching race. And when they'll think of it, every time they hear something that upsets them, they'll think critical race theory. And uh, when he was, uh, you know, in a forum once and asked about academic criticism that he doesn't engage with critical race theory really is, he says, well, I'm not interested in that BS anyways. He, he used the long form of BS. Um, so it's not anything about a, a, a real assessment uh, or an analysis of of a of a mode of or approach of thinking about race in America. It's really to use white backlash politics, and that's been successful. Um, right now, uh, uh, it's been going on in Florida uh, with Governor DeSantis, in other states, Virginia, and so forth. It's being pushed in Pennsylvania. Um, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, the, the governor of Arkansas, is introducing a package she claims will be even more backwards than, than the Florida one. And so it has taken hold uh, in a lot of places, but it is very much grounded. You know, you mentioned um, um, uh, the culture wars, and I, I wish there was, this was my thought, but I, I kind of, I wish I could credit it because I, I, I remember seeing it somewhere. It's not so much a war on, on culture as it's a war on equality. It's a war on people who have not had the full part of the American dream available to them. Uh, people of color, uh, LGBTQ uh, people, who have been kept down and denied the rights and the access and the opportunities that white Americans have taken for granted. And it's really a war on those people. And, and, and I say it's white backlash politics, but it's also gender backlash politics at work at the same time. And that's, that's what's really frightening about it. Yeah, so I mean, that, that was one of the points I wanted to bring up. You, you, you did note in your report that, you know, Moms for Liberty, Parents Defending Education, and No Left Turn in Education, that these groups draw on white backlash politics and resentment. So what you're saying is that this white lash that we're seeing or hearing in these school board meetings. This is in response to the kind of civil rights gains that we've seen over the last, you know, five, six, seven decades. I think very much so. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, this is a kind of politics that has worked in this country for a long time. You know, you, you've sort of, I mean, I mentioned Morton Blackwell being the youngest. Uh, he's the head of the Leadership Institute and, and was a founder, co-founder of Council for National Policy. 
being one of the being the youngest delegate to uh, the Goldwater uh, Convention in '64, and he's he's still around heading powerful conservative organizations. Well, the Goldwater campaign was got white backlash politics. The Nixon campaign was. The Reagan campaign was. My gosh, nobody's been more explicit about it than Donald Trump, and. Unfortunately, it works, and that's what Moms for Liberty are exploiting, and that's what Parents Defending Education uh, are exploiting, uh, and they're, they're quite explicit about it. Um, and it's, a, it's really, uh, if we want to go backwards in America, then, then, then these are the people for you. But they, they, want, a, they want an America that really never uh, existed or should have existed, and they want to, 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 to quash the aspirations and the hopes of people who haven't been granted fully a part of America yet and, and deserve that full part, and these groups are, do, are doing what they can to keep them down. And they're trying to destroy public education. This is a goal that they have set out. The uh, Council for National Policy explicitly would like to replace uh, public education with privatized and religious education. Um, they would like to destroy teachers' unions because teachers' unions stands up, st actually stand up for themselves their communities and the children in those communities, and they're, they're closest to children. They, they, they have a great understanding of what children need in the classroom. And so this, this is all part and parcel of a, a very, very long-term campaign by right-wing extremists to destroy public education, to privatize it, and to profit from it. How important has the right-wing media been in propping up and ampli amplifying these groups and their messages? Oh my gosh! You know, I reference in, in, in the Merchants uh, uh, of Deception uh, piece. I, I reference a wonderful report that Media Matters for America did on the rise of Moms for Liberty, which is so dependent on right-wing media. I think in their first 16 months, they were on um, Fox uh, uh, 16 times. They were on Rush Limbaugh the first month of their existence. Um, they uh, and and um, it trickles out too. You know, it, it, we, we talk about Fox a lot, but they have uh, you know right wing media, and I mean uh, Breitbart, um, Daily Caller, the Washington Examiner, and so many more, just regurgitate as if it were real news whatever these groups put out. And so they're really they, you know look at them. It, it, it's almost too much to call the media in the sense of when we expect media to be some sort of, of funnel of the truth of what's happening there because Breitbart and the rest really exist to transmit uh, right-wing dogma and to excite the base uh, in a way um, that uh, is very political. Uh, and so it's not it's not media with sort of an un, a, 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 not a left wing bias. That's their complaint with you know the mainstream media is that oh it's left wing bias. This isn't a media without a left wing bias. This is this is this is a a, a, a prop. These are propaganda outlets. And when you get on Breitbart and Daily Caller and the rest, and then boom, you hit you get onto Fox. Well, now you've really hit the mother load, you know. Um, uh, because uh, you, or you know, you, you can see Nikki Neely, who is the uh, Coke operative, long-term Coke operative, who happens to be the head of Parents Defending Education. She's on Fox quite often. Erica Sanzi, who is her deputy at Parents Defending Education, long-term privatization uh, advocate, well-paid privatization advocate, by the way, um, uh, is 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 on Fox a lot, and they're on OAN and they're on Newsmax. And so uh, right-wing media is absolutely crucial 
to the rise of these organizations. The transmittal of the message, and part of the transmittal of that message, by the way, is um, reporting on what Parents Defending Education and Moms for Liberty are doing with regard to local districts. That gets transmitted, and some folks in their audience, this is predictable too, there's no mystery it's going to happen, they get agitated. They see words like indoctrination, like groomers coming across, and the people in the school districts, and this has happened in a number of school districts I follow, um, are getting uh, social media threats, they're getting email threats, they're getting racist, vile kinds of messages um, that get that are the result of publication in these in these right wing broadcasts. So um, it's um, uh, I think not an uh, uh, not an unexpected consequence of getting these kind of messages broadcast. Uh, widely bright, bright, Breitbart, Daily Caller, and Fox News. Uh, it's quite predictable. So what are some of the best practices to counter, you know, these groups' propaganda and deceptive messaging that they're amplifying in school board meetings, um, in social media, even in local newspapers via letters yeah. to the editor or op-eds, etc.? I think another report I cited in the Merchants of Deception uh, is is from the Center for Media. Uh, uh, excuse me, it's from um, um, True North Research, um, and 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 they say you know go to these school board meetings, organize, go to these school board meetings, and demand to know uh, where the money is coming from to back these groups. Now, some of these folks in the groups aren't going to understand it themselves uh, because they're really being exploited and manipulated in a way. But I think um, uh, organizing is critically imperative. Realizing that these folks are being driven from above and that you and your neighbors uh, and your allies and friends in your community have the power to, 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 to go to these school board meetings and to stay in touch with school board members and to work on school board campaigns and make sure that these folks crying out on false issues who are trying to ban books from your community um, are, are defeated. And I think True North and I are on the same page. Demand to know where the money is coming from. And as I said, in, in, in that probably the best thing I did in that report was I put a group, a bunch of resources uh, at the back where anybody can go online for the most part to these resources and it will help you find out who is really behind these groups because these groups are driven from above. They are part of a right-wing extremist network. There are like 81 uh, registered uh, dark money groups. Uh, I won't go through the whole legality of it. We, with the IRS, what are called 501c4 organizations. There are like 81 Moms for Liberties now, right? So they're proliferating throughout. Um, um, uh, but we can tie them, really, to what is going on above. So if you've got a Moms for Liberty in your county or your local community, research them. You're going to find out that Moms for Liberty is not local uh, moms concerned with their schools. It's folks tied into uh, the Koch network, to the Council for National Policy, and it's especially the Leadership Institute, which seems to have what I would call an ownership interest in Moms for Liberty. How are the Koch brothers, the Council for National Policy, and the Leadership Institute, you know, which you just mentioned, um, how, how do they use their money and their networks to kind of groom these, you know, so-called, you know, parent leaders uh, and these anti-public education franchises that we see popping up everywhere? 
Yeah, to, to give one example, so Parents Defending Education, uh, the president, is, which started in 2021, right? Uh, uh, first year of its organization, right? And, and, and its president is a woman named Nick, Nikki Neely, Nicole Neely. And she says, oh, you know, she tells the media, oh, we're just moms working from home, you know? Well, the first year uh, uh, Parents Defending Education, as we find out from there, uh, much delayed uh, Form 990 tax return, which nonprofits have to make public, they raised $3.1 million in their first year. How many moms <laughs> get together and raise that kind of money? And they have these consultants who are, who are very well established in, in, in Republican politics. Neely herself has a very clear record. She's been working for the Koch Network for years. Uh, uh, free speech, uh, into, uh, uh, the Women's Independent Women's Forum, Cato Institute. Her entire pedigree is is in the Coke Network. So if you can look at these folks and say, well, where are they really coming from? You can begin to expose them. Moms for Liberty, which if if you go to the their Twitter handle, right, you'll say Moms for Liberty started by two moms. It was started by three women in Florida. The third one, who they don't like to mention, is a woman named Bridget Ziegel, who happened to be married to the vice chair of the Florida Republican Party. Um, all three were school committee members. Bridget um, left within the first couple of months, although she stayed involved with uh, Moms for Liberty. Uh, she, she, she claims to have uh, written part of the Don't Say Gay bill signed by DeSantis. Um, and when she... Uh, ran for re-election to her school committee uh, position in Sarasota County. She won. Uh, she had her own uh, uh, super PAC, uh, excuse me, po political action committee down in Florida that received $10,000 from a woman who was also funding uh, a part of January 6th. Um, and as soon as her race was over, you know, she won re-election, and the next day, Leadership Institute announced uh, she was going to work for them training school board candidates. Leadership Institute was started uh, over 40 years ago by Morton Blackwell, claims to have um, um, trained over 250,000 conservative activists. Uh, the Council for National Policy, uh, also Morton Blackwell was in on the founding of that, along with Richard Vigory and, and some other right-wing figures. And that's a sort of clearinghouse for, 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 uh, for right-wing money, for evangelical uh, media networks, uh, for activist organizations like Turning Point USA that also sent buses to the January 6th insurrection, uh, to National Rifle Association, which is influential in that group. So these networks work together, and yet what we see on the local level is supposed to be, you know, nice suburban moms. Well, a nice suburban mom looks better than the, than, than the face of an organization that Charles Koch does, right? Koch has been involved in this. Koch is, is clearly, you know, uh, very much in, uh, organizationally involved in parents defending education, where there's not only Neely, but a vice president who uh, used to work at the Mercatus Center at uh, George Mason, which is totally funded, or nearly totally funded by the Koch Foundations. And so you follow it back and you find more and more that the real power is here. You know, forget, uh, forget who the agents are. The agents are, you know, the so-called co-founders who are really installed by these figures. The real power here is, is, is the Kochs 
and the evangelicals and the other billionaires who are funding these kind of things. And by the way, Nicole Neely gets paid very well for this. She's not a mom working from home. She made 195000 her first year on the job at uh, Parents Defending Education. That'll keep a mom pretty comfortable at home. Right. <laughs> and um, finally, Morris, any final advice for parents who believe in and cherish public education in their fight to expose the individuals, groups, and funders pulling the strings of these so-called parental right groups, as well as unmask unmasking their often racist, bigoted, and ignorant policy wish list? Be very wary. Even if you think some of these things might make sense to you, understand that they are out to destroy public education. They are out to take away the public schools in your community. They are out to transfer funds that you pay in taxes to support public education to private schools, to um, schools that reject LGBTQ youth, uh, to homeschooling organizations. Most outrageously, if you've seen the news in the last several days, um, there has been a group, uh, a homeschooling group in Ohio that has been uncovered. It's a homeschooling network that is promoting neo-Nazi theories. And we can't afford that in this, this, these communities. You have to be very wary of these groups. You know, they're, 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 there's moms, which, you know, is we can't use mothers. We have to use moms for the softening aspect of it. And it sounds all very nice, but they are trying to ban books. They've banned books in, in communities they control. They've banned books on Martin Luther King, on, on, on Ruby Bridges, on anything, uh, on things having to do with gender. They equate LGBTQ issues, any LGBTQ issue with, with porn, um, with groomers. The language is absolutely extraordinary. They use to try and excite people against public education and against an accurate depiction of who we are as a people and where we can go as a people and where we've been as a people. And that isn't education. You know, that isn't education at all. If you care about education and you care about your communities, you must immediately as these groups arise and before these groups arise, be prepared to meet them and to defeat them because we can defeat them. The, the, the secret of these billionaires and so forth and their many campaigns and the reason they hide behind dark money is because they understand that their viewpoints are unpopular. So they have to hide themselves and they have to disguise what they're really after in order to make progress. But if we if we could take that head on, we could beat them. Great. Thank, thanks so much, Morris, for the work that you're doing and for coming on to The Signal today. Um, we'll link to your report in our show notes. Everyone, you can follow Morris on Twitter at MassProfs. That's at M-A-S-S-P-R-O-F-S and at masspoliticsprofs.org. Thanks again, Morris. Thanks for having me, Sue. This has been The Signal, a podcast by the Bucks County Beacon. I'm Cyril Michalako, Editor-in-Chief and Host. For more progressive news, analysis, and opinion from Bucks County and beyond, go to www.buckscountybeacon.com. And make sure you subscribe so you don't miss our next episode on March 1st, when we'll have a guest to speak about the radical history of International Women's Day. The Signal is produced by Kevin Mahoney of Raging Chicken Media. Intro-outro music by Moff et Tula, featuring Cartas a Felice, used with permission.